0: Welcome to the Whistler Newsroom. I'm Christina Borgeson. All this talk about transgender, transhumanism, posthumanism, where did all these buzzwords come from and what do they all really mean? Today's guest has been described as the world's greatest posthuman philosopher and she's here to talk about the ideas and historical context that brought these terms into being. New York University professor Dr. Francesca Ferrando authored the book Philosophical Post-Humanism that examines the profound changes related to perception, mind, body, consciousness and spirit that these terms encompass and that will, she says, change the very definition of what it means to be human. She also discusses the key role of technology in this profound transformation. In this hour, journalist Kelly O'Meara and I, two rubber-meets-the-road investigative reporters, will be asking Dr. Ferrando a series of pointed questions about this coming paradigm and its
1: history. Welcome, Dr. Ferrando. Christina and Kelly, thank you so much for the invitation. I am so honored to be here talking to you.
0: Let's start with something real basic. What is a human?
1: Great question. Well, a human is a process and the human is also a notion. This is why it's very important not to be too attached to the idea that we have of the human in the twenty-first century, because that notion is very different from the ways of who we would describe as Homo sapiens thought of themselves back in the Paleolithic time, or in the Neolithic time, or in the Bronze Age, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So it is important to connect to the collective consciousness and understand what it means to be human in the 21st century, but we cannot forget that often historical occurrences, cultural ideas are embedded in scientific notions. So it's very interesting to look at the notion of homo sapiens and realize that it is not a neutral notion. It came out of a mind who, who, of a period in which the human was one, was white, was male, was all these things that are actually embedded in the notion of the homo sapiens. So I would say that the human is a location, is an embodiment. We are embodied in this dimension as humans, but this notion cannot be placed in strict categories because that's not who we are. And of course, this connect to gender and race and ethnicity and everything.
0: There are a lot of humans running around on the planet. And if you were to take some kind of, because yes, I agree that before, for example, uh, black people were considered subhuman. They, you know, they were not. Women were considered subhuman, not human. But at the at the space where we are now, I I think everybody, you know, most people would agree, a human is, uh, sort of incarnate what we look like now. You know, whether male or, and it's it's a binary you know, male, female, although there are some people who have both or, you know, whatever, because I want to get into the gender thing too with you. So I think most people would agree, okay, this is a, a human is uh, either a male or female of various
1: colors, uh, you know, and look like you and me. This idea that the human is male or female is a new notion. If you, if you look at the history of, if you look at macro history, which doesn't mean just the history that we are taught in school, but includes the Neolithic time, the Paleolithic time, like includes the whole time that we have been around as a so-called species, which is at least 300,000 years, so it's a lot. So if we look at the whole history, the idea that the human is true, it's really new. It's a very new concept. And if you look at a lot of native cultures, a lot of indigenous cultures, in all of these cultures, there is this idea that the human the, the most connected human is the shaman. And the shaman is neither female or male, is neither, is not even human. The shaman is the, the person that really understand that can connect to any species, any, any uh, energies in, the, in, in this planet. I want to say this because this idea that the human is female or male, it is a relatively new concept. Well, it's very concrete.
0: And I understand that the shaman, uh, the shaman is, somebody who is connected to multidimensionality unlike the rest of us. But the shaman also has either a vagina or a penis and basically looks like a person to the rest of us, even though this is an entity who has certain capacities that are beyond, which is like transhuman capacities, basically. But, and that's what I'm trying to understand because there's this big fight about, okay, it's binary. It, the biology is male and female. And, and you're talking about something that is conceptually uh, way bigger than that. See, and I it's so. hard for people to get their minds around
1: it. Yeah. But it's also interesting because, you know, we take again biology for granted, but biology also is not just out there, like, biology is a science. And if we look at the history of science, a lot of things that were considered scientific are no longer considered scientific. For instance, in the Middle Ages, angels were studied as a topic of science. Uh, Thomas Aquinas, for instance, was a big uh, name in the study of angels. And they were wondering, are angels female or male? Do they have uh, embodiments? These are questions that in science, we don't ask anymore, we ask in theology. I want to say this because the fact of having a penis or a vagina doesn't mean that you are a, a woman or a man and in this i like to quote why a, do you say because that because uh, the okay we talked about the human but it goes very well with the woman or the man so this is for instance let's bring to the discussion some big names in the history of gender for instance simon de Beauvoir, who was Wait, this uh, uh-huh. very important philosopher back in the 50s in france connected to the existentialist movement. Yes. And she said something that I would apply to the human. She says, someone is not born a woman, someone becomes a woman, because the woman is a cultural notion. And the same goes to the human. Let let me explain a little more. So um, if you think, for instance, what we were saying about how a human or a woman is considered in the 18th century, or was considered back, for instance, in the Paleolithic time, it's radically different. And i give you a simple example. Throughout the Paleolithic times, more than 95% of the imagery of the divine is female, but it's not a dualistic female in separation from male. It's a hybrid. The female is a beak like a bird. The female is a tail like a snake. Uh, The female is androgynous. There was not this notion of separation of absolute dichotomies because humans were still part of the whole natural environment. And if you're connected to everything, you can never understand existence in strict dualistic ways because existence doesn't work that way. At the end, we're all connected, even male and female in the belly, we go through all these changes. Now, go, let's go more concrete into the now. Now, cultures go through many different shifts, paradigms. Eh? paradigms. So we have you know, a long time of matric- matrifocal paradigm that we never studied because it does not align to patri- patri- patriarchal yes, values. Yes. But it's there. it's like, 99% of our history, we were matrifocal. Then we have a shift. The man, the, the male, becomes also divine, which is also important. But now we are at the end of that. I see the next step, the next paradigm, which is already happening with the hybrid, the androgynous, the multi-gender. And I can understand that a lot of people are still attached. What does multi-gender mean? And the reason
0: why I'm asking you that because I think it's important. You know, there are a lot of people who, on a primal, primal level say, okay, um, if I want to reproduce, if I want to have a child, I'm a woman. I have to seek out a man who has the male biology and I have to mate with that person to, to have another human. Well, so I think people like, who are looking at that are saying, what are you talking about? And I'm trying to, you know, so it, well, talk about that.
1: Yeah, let's say it also with ART, which is assisted, Uh, reproductive technology you actually don't need anymore another person of a different gender to reproduce you can actually you know kind of self-reproduce yourself through uh, donated uh, sperm or whatever you know other uh, kind of genetic material that you're looking for so that's but you still need the male sperm yeah you still need the sperm yeah yeah of course i would say you need the the sperm you don't need that like i don't think that we need to categorize ourselves in the sense that because i need the, the element from another human then i need to see myself but it's as a specific m- kind of human right it's a male human sure of course out of many others what i want to say here is what a, out of many is, others what others so, okay let's go back to the idea that gender is a cultural construction okay so uh, someone may have a vagina um, someone may have a penis but that doesn't define who they are right it defines some of the experiences no it defines what they are you know Bi- in a sense biological, biologically biologically
0: look in what sense because you have to have certain characteristics in order for you to reproduce for reproductive i mean what the, the basic most primal thing for everything all species everybody is the reproductive thing and the reproductive thing right now for humans i mean i understand technology is making it easy for if a woman does not want to mate with a man, she can get a man's sperm. But there's still, it's still that male element that she needs to to get pregnant. And you see, what I appreciate about your work, just saying all this very rubber meets the road concrete stuff that I'm talking to you about now, because I think that what you're envisioning and what has actually been Mentioned in the past, like I'm thinking of the, about those Sumerian texts and the genetic ex, uh, experiments with the Anunnaki and all those people with Zachariah Sitchin and you were mentioning, you know, the lion heads on the on the women and so on. I I see that I see that coming, and then I see it also. I I see the technology coming in to make us. Boards, like part human and part and and then we do become something else. We do become something else. I mean, to me, when they say transgender woman, to me, that's a new being. That's a different being from the regular
1: human woman. well, I would say that biology is a technology of existence. so like you like yes. said in order to move on as a species. There are some techniques of reproduction that involve the combination of specific humans. But this doesn't mean that biology is an imprisonment. What I want to say here is that, for instance, if you think of of reproduction and how families used to be back in time, this idea that you needed one female and one male, and, and from there you have children, is also kind of a new idea because humans used to live as tribes. And your children were everyone's children. Now, I'm not saying that we have to go back or, 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 or forward. We need to understand that biology is never just something that is out there. It is an understanding, it has a cultural understanding. So the fact that to reproduce I need some, like you said, male elements, doesn't mean that I am a woman in the way that the woman has been constructed. Because let me just say this, in patriarchal times, the woman is the minus. This is why I do not consider consider myself a woman, although I have a female embodiment and I'm beautifully happy about that. But I don't consider myself a woman because I'm not inferior to anyone because I'm part of existence and being part of existence, each of us is the center of existence. I'm with you on that. I was brought up in Haiti. The first thing when you're brought up in a a
0: fourth world country like Haiti, you have to, as a female, you have to, because you are female, you have to distinguish yourself from the family dog. Okay? So I understand what you're saying. I don't, I don't necessarily think that changes that I am female or a woman. I just feel like, as a matter of fact, I feel like one of the reasons why women have been so persecuted and why s- their, so much effort has gone into subjugating women is because women have great powers women have the power of, of, uh, of, of creating life and so on. And I think, uh, uh, but I think that's a different issue
1: from- It is not, I, because I, they're I very think... connected. <laughs> they're very connected. Okay, how, how, explain. <laughs> well, uh, so if you think about, uh, as you say, like the power the power also of reproduction. Yeah, And this is one of the theories, it's um, a theory. I'm not sure if, uh, if it's uh, a proper theory, but one of the theories that why do we have in history, for instance, a patriarchal shift? Is because, again, it is a theory. Right? It, it is not, yes, it's yeah. not being said, But is once, for instance, it is understood by humans that reproduction is not just a divine uh, a moment of uh, supernatural powers. So there is this idea that maybe at one point humans didn't understand that human conception was done through uh, the connection of sexual uh, connection between female and male. The idea was that at one point the the woman would become pregnant, and that's why she was the goddess. One theory is that once humans realize that, then men want to know who is their biological offspring. So instead of now having a tribe where everyone is your child because you don't know who is your child, like it's happening in, for instance, in Bonomos or many other uh, apes that are very connected to us, that we share like 98.5 of our DNA, even more with them. So this is uh, one theory that once Humans realize that then some men at least want to know who is there their biological- Yeah, that's offspring.
0: why marriage came into being. Exactly,
1: exactly, exactly. You know? Yeah. Now, I think we are at the point that we understand that, uh, yes, you, you can understand who are your children. It doesn't mean that you need to be the dominant uh, uh, character of the whole human play uh, theater. I think that, you know, no, no understanding of the human that is hierarchical meaning that the human there is some human who is more human than others and this is for, of course connected to humanism so humanism is always evolved in this great moment of a shift from a theological uh, uh, societies where god was at the center to more humanistic society where the human at the center it's that's necessarily actually is not proper but i didn't want to go into that for that i want to say that humanism still was very much hierarchical. In fact, in the era of the humanism, we have colonialism, we have sexism, we have slavery. How is that possible? Because this notion of the human was not um, equal. So it's not that every human was considered a human. Some humans were considered more humans than others. And which is still- a Yeah, but order. even though they were considered
0: more human than others by those trying to wield power, they, in actuality, we recognize that that's that was not true that's a function that's that's an imposition of their power that's what's going that's like fake news that's like telling people you know you're not human because i say you're not human even though you know you have all the human characteristics but you're you don't have my power so
1: you're not human so what I think I think but, what we're sorry, talking is, about but, here but this is easy for us to say now that they were fake news but people live through these episodes uh, no. for for actually not only hundreds hundreds if not thousands of years and a lot of people have been killed raped brutalized because of these no. ideas I, I know I know I guess what I'm trying to say
0: is I think it's an actual issue of lexicon I think I think a whole new lexicon has to uh be put forward uh to to really to to really be more precise about what we're we're talking about here. Because I do believe in the future um the human is is not going to be anymore the Homo sapien. The human is gonna be uh a, a lot of different things and and because of the genetic engineering, because of the uh, you know implanting of of chips or whatever to make them super super humans, what is the metahuman and all that? I that I I see that I see that very clearly, and and I think that a lexicon has to be developed for all the different types of entities we're talking because after all, aren't Aren't we just talking about vessels containing energy?
1: Well, I would say that uh, words create words. Now my pronunciation here is is, is a little off because I'm originally from Italy, but W-O-R-D-S, words, create words, W-O-R-L-D-S. So the idea is that we live in the world that we construct, to our understanding. Yes, we
0: create our reality through that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I absolutely agree with you that we need a whole new set of words and to understand the reality as it is now. And to me, that binary female, male, woman, man doesn't work anymore. I was very happy to uh, see, I recently went for a a driving license here in New York state. And one of the new options that you can have, it's uh, F like female, M like male and X. And I chose is, that, X, like everything else. Whoever doesn't consider themselves neither one or the other. And I was very happy because I know that maybe if I'm driving in a state that maybe doesn't support these ideas, maybe they're going to give me a fine even if I didn't anything, you know, like I know that it, it has some other aspects to it, but I was so happy to support it. And of course I choose that X. Because I don't consider myself one or the other. I am everything. I, I cannot categorize myself in a strict binary that is not only a binary, but is a hierarchy. Because we live in a society that has been historically... But
0: the hierarchy is, is different from the biology. The hierarchy is a, is a f- framework. It's a concept. It's an imposition of power uh, by, you know, horrible people.
1: <laughs> well, you
0: but and yeah. the biology is different because if you get arrested, if you get arrested today on the side of the road, what do you think that cop is going to say? Whatever you want to call yourself, he's going to call in and go, you know, I just uh, arrested a white female going 95 miles an hour in a 30 mile an hour zone. That's what he's gonna say. Yeah, and I will not agree with the description
1: that the police person give about me. And I have the right to say that I'm neither a white nor a female because I do not consider myself that way, but he or she or they are free to call me whatever they want, you know? But I think that there are also (laughs) rights of recognition of who you are, and I think those rights need to be respected. So then if it's a police person working for the government, working for us, paid with tax money, then this person should know better how to describe people to a a wider range of terms.
0: Okay, but let me explain what the other thing that I think that this situation creates is there's a lack of um, mutually agreed upon by everybody, uh, you know, Societies, whether you know on a local level or a state level or a planetary level, there are certain things that everybody agrees on uh, at the same time, so that things can make sense. You know, for example, time. We all go, you know, the the, our clock. The clock goes one through twelve, a.m. p.m. Whatever. We all agree on that. If we didn't have a clock, we could never even get together at the same place at the same time. You know, all these things is like it's it would be chaos. And I think like when I have to when I look at and I'm being honest because I really I, I I think I think what you've done is brilliant, but I think I think that there's the future thing, I get it. But for now, if I have to look at one entity and call that entity a they, first of all, I have no idea about that entity thinking they're a they because I'm only looking at one entity when I see that entity.
1: So but Christina, are we one? are we one? Because if you think about it, even biologically speaking, since we were talking about biology, yeah. our, uh, co- we are co- assemblages of microorganisms. So we are not one, but we are billions of entities. So this idea of what, what is, is an individual, that's also, that's why I like myself to use the pronoun they, and people can call me whatever she, he, it. I don't care. But I like that because it really reflects who I am. I am many, and I was different ten years ago, and I'm different now. But apart from that, my body is different, and all the microorganisms that are part of me are billions and trillions. And so I think that they <laughs> reflect much more who I am, and that's why I use this pronouns. But I don't, don't get. But, but that's people. because you have multidimensional
0: awareness. Most people don't have multidimensional awareness.
1: I have a question.
0: Of course, Katie.
2: Okay, so yeah, I'm listening to all this, and it, it it sounds to me like this is an evolutionary change, and not, I don't mean evolutionary in the way of you know Charles Darwin, I, not not that way, but evolutionary, and as in, whenever there is an evolutionary change, it is a very long, slow process. Okay millions of years before we got thumbs. Okay. Or, you know, you know what I'm saying? So uh, to say that, uh, you know, uh, the humanism uh, is going to change because we maybe don't call ourselves her or him. Are we at a stage right now in 2022 where the, and I think evolution requires a necessity, I think that's why there are evolutionary changes okay out of necessity either either biology biologically or you know whatever so why now why is this i mean is there a necessity in the environment that 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 everything's going to people are going to change and we're going to put you know things in our brains what's the necessity
1: that's a very good question well first of all i would like to say that humanism it's very connected to anthropocentrism, and it might sound a little of a big word, but it means having the human at the center of existence. We think the human as the most evolved animal, the most intelligent one, and all these other things. Now, I think that the era in which we live, which is defined as the Anthropocene, and by the way, Anthropos in ancient Greek means human. Now, the Anthropocene is the era in which we now recognize that human behaviors have a direct impact on the planet as a whole. So we're seeing climate change, we see pandemics, we see global warming, all these aspects. Then until 50 years ago, 100 years ago, we considered outside of human power. Now we know that we are part of that. Now, if we want to survive as a species, which is a choice, we don't have to survive. We might get extinct because of our own action. But if we want to survive as a species, we really need to change attitudes right now, or we are in a suicidal path so, to me, like you were saying, is it necessary? Of course, it's necessary if we want to survive as a species, because this idea of the centralization that we were talking about male, but could be hetero, could be many uh, including human. And it is all connected to the, the, the hierarchy at the very, very top gets into the human, and then it gets even more diversified to the point that we have small groups in humans that are really considered humans. But this is a bigger hierarchy a larger hierarchy. And so you have the human that are considered better than non-human animals and the non-human animals that are considered better than plants and blah, blah, blah. But that's a really uh, misunderstanding of the planet because the planet doesn't work that way. The plant is one and many at the same time. And if you disrupt the balance, you are killing yourself. So what I'm saying is that if we don't understand this and it's a choice, we are in a suicidal path. We are going to extinct ourselves and some humans might go to other planets and blah, blah, blah. But a lot of humans are going to get extinct because of our actions. And okay. I think that right now the, the, the planet is talking by itself with all these issues that we are seeing. And that we are directly connecting. We cannot just say, oh my God, another disaster. Yes, another disaster because we are not changing habits. So these habits are not disconnected to what we were talking before. So I think that if we want to survive we need really to relocate the human as part of everything of the planet as a species, but also as a diversified species that is not one, that there are not some people who are telling others what they should do with their bodies. So this is connected to the control of of, uh, non-human animals and the pandemics that come out of uh, going into wild areas where humans should not be, leave some areas for humans, for non-human animals. We cannot get the whole planet or we are killing ourselves. So I think that, yes, uh, going back to your question, these really come out of the necessity of the 21st century if we do not want to get extinct as humans. So
2: how does changing one's pronoun make a difference in the carbon footprint?
1: Mm. Yeah, I mean, they're connected. It's not that that is the solution to what- I mean, that's just an
2: example. That's just an example,
1: okay? I think that that is a, um, a, a, a symbolism that represents the need for this era of truly recognized diversity, not just saying that we recognize diversity by adding uh, the female uh, uh, woman uh, month, or, which are very important, or the Black History Month important, but that's not how you solve the issue of really recognize diversity. If you really want to recognize diversity, you need to understand that people are different, the species are different, the people have different needs, different ideas, different dreams, different hopes. Now, the idea of going with the they pronoun just shows that it's happening. Now, I know that some legislation are trying to erase it, and I understand that some people are attached to previous ideas, but if we want to survive as a species, we need to recognize diversity truly as a species, as our own species, and of course, about the whole uh, variety of species that are on this planet, and, and that they are getting thousands of species get extinct every year because of human action. This is actually called the six max Mass extinction. And this the, the reason of this six mass extinction is actually human behavior. So the point is recognizing diversity is not just adding one page about some humans who were treated not nicely in the past. That's important, but that's not enough. We really need, need to um, embrace this shift in understanding of existence that is happening. And all these are examples of that the, the way is happening. And I know that the legislation always try to keep the way as they were, and you know, so you have people fighting and stuff. But that, it's, it's happening. You cannot stop it because it's a shifting consciousness. And it is our survival. And everyone wants to survive. So if usually, I mean, there are also some people who, you know, may not want to survive. In general, in general, beings want to survive. That's why we're in this dimension. So I think that this is coming as a truly understanding of like, OK, if we want to stay a little longer uh, here, we really need to relocate the human recognize diversity within our species and outside of our species. By the way, the species are not you know, separated in the ways that we thought before. We share like a, a lot of our DNA with, with, with every entity that is uh, in, in this planet, living in this planet. So it is a big shift and it's exciting and it's evoking and it's important and it's not easy. And again, I'm not against those people who are trying to keep things that they were. You can try to think things as they were, but it is the end of the human. We are going to go into the end of that if we think that we can still cut down trees and and kill non-human animals and treat some humans and that's the end of a species. And it's a choice. In your book
0: you were talking about how, you know, the question is, and I do believe, is the planet itself a living being? And I, I think that's pretty much a yes. And and where part of this that living being and and you know you also mentioned the intelligence of other species of things that that we of course have no clue about really or don't even consider and how they could be much more intelligent than we are obviously a lot of them some of them would even survive when we do not so there's so much there to know about that we don't we don't know. I think, again, I'm, I go back to the lexicon. I think that because people know that when they talk about a they, they're talking about multiple entities, they're looking, you know, say, oh, they did that. You go, oh, who's they? And it's all oh, these 10 people. So that's what confuses them, I think. I think it's just confusing. And when they get confused, they get angry. And they start thinking, oh, yeah, you're trying to, make a fool of me you're trying to make me seem foolish and you want to call you want me to look at you and call you they when I only see one person in front of me so right now you have this fight and people like people object to transgenderism because of the horrific sometimes horrific surgical and and pharmaceutical things that are done to to people to make that happen right now now maybe later on with CRISPR and this and that and the other this is a you know one two three and you are who you are or you know you're part dragon and part human or you're you know or post human or pre-human pre-whatever what we are now you know all that stuff is coming all that stuff is coming but right now it's a very confusing and angry phase because these pronouns People feel like pronouns are being hijacked. And and that's why I'm thinking part of that, part of the transition is a lexicon problem. And also the transition is getting people to understand that, yes, there is an interconnection. And it's hard for them to do that right now because right now they're looking at this breakaway civilization of super powerful people who for all the world seem, you know, you have a wonderful optimistic undercurrent in your book about entities, people, whatever I feel. But right now I'm looking at this breakaway billionaire civilization that's trying to enslave and control and, you know, gather all the resources for themselves. And I think, how is this evolution gonna happen? In a way that is beautifully multidimensional and interconnected, and uh, co- you know everybody lives co you know coexist peacefully.
1: Yeah, that's a great question, uh, Christine. I uh, I would like to go back to what Kelly was saying before that changes take a long time, and time mm-hmm. is relative, so we should not panic about that. But it is uh, a uh, you know, if you look at history and we can learn from history, we learn that changes do take a long time. Mm-hmm. So I would say that, um, you know, about the confusion that people feel around, for instance, the pronoun day. that's a good thing. I, one of the things that they say for older people to keep their brain active is trying to study new language, trying to learn a new instrument, because that really actually helps with neurological issues to really open and stretch and exercise your brain. Now, uh, of course, things that we don't expect uh, leave us, uh, uh, you know, in, in, in a temporal shock for a little bit. Uh, but then once we embrace that as something that is happening through other people, consciousness and decisions and choices, then we understand that those doors, those windows bring light to our own life. I must say that myself, and I come from deep gender studies now for more than 20 years. At first, wow. you know, some years ago, when people were placing days a pronouns, I was a little confused, how can i going to use it? Although I loved it, was like, okay, but that's a little challenging. But then you find your own way, it's, it's a new way, it, open, it opens possibility and it also gives yourself freedom to decide how and when to use the plural, the singular. And nowadays, I like the idea of bringing a little confusion. And on this, I would like to quote Nietzsche, Friedrich, Friedrich Nietzsche, who says that from the chaos, the dancing star is born only from the chaos. The dancing star is born. So the idea is that you need a little, not too much chaos. Too much chaos maybe bring, you know, like other type of dramas and tragedies and, but a little chaos in that is good to bring something new, regeneration and rejuvenation. So I would say that it is a, a shift. There is changes, but there are always changes. There are always, even trying to keep things as they were is a change because it's no longer there. You can try to push this male, female, pink, blue, and, and it's happening. I have a young daughter, young child, and you look at the books, and 90% of them are still pushing these stereotypes. And I try not yes. to use the he for all these characters. So I always use she or they, but it's there. So they are inculcating these ideas in young minds. So it's going to take much longer than it probably would if we didn't try to push these ideas that are not the ideas of a young mind, a young mind is open, a young mind does not, uh, does not categorize themselves. Ask a young kid who, they, who are you? And they don't answer, they look at everything. They don't say he, she, they, they don't even give a name to themselves, they are everything. But then we learn about categories, how people refer to you and you have a name and you have a gender and you have a race and you have all these other things. And yes, it is maybe useful for some type of analysis or for some type of laws, but it is very tricky because people take it too seriously. And they start to identify themselves within those strict parameters. So first of all, they forget who they are because we are much more than that. We are connected to everything. We're always the center of existence because- yeah, ex- uh, uh, yeah. I, I,
2: I got a question here
1: because of you're
2: saying that people will, you know, they're gonna identify themselves as just that. Well, I identify as a female, a woman, okay? Yeah. So you identify as they you're still your category got categorizing yourself as they I'm categorizing myself as female, you know, what's the difference? Mm. I mean, how does that you've, change? You've chosen a category. Yeah. Everybody's yeah, choosing a category.
1: Mm-hmm. Make, a category. How does that make, how does
2: how does that make any change though? Yeah. And I got, I got to throw this oh, in there. Sorry, I'm just I'm curious. To go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> why, why in your book, I didn't see anything about expanding the mind, like in uh, quantum physics. There's mm-hmm. no there's no discussion about learning how to utilize all of your mind, okay? And I would think that would be something that was mm-hmm. in there for really trying to, you know, mm-hmm. make this evolutionary change, this transition mm-hmm. into, you
1: know, humanism, right? Why is that not part of it? Yeah, Kelly, thank you so much for the question. And goes to the, the good news that actually that exactly what you're talking about is in my second book that is actually okay. being finalized at the moment. So because it's written and just editing and shifting some stuff. Oh, you got to send us a copy. Oh, yeah. we have oh, to yeah. read that one. Absolutely. So that the new book is about post-human existence. The first book, the one that you read first in the sense of uh, posthuman studies, was very important for me for the post-human community to bring some clarity because there was too much confusion. So we said that the some confusion is good, too much confusion is a disaster. Then people cannot even talk to talking to themselves. It's like the tower of the bubble you know, the bubble with yeah, all these yeah, yeah. people yeah. Were, So that book was exactly to bring clarity. So if we are talking about the posthuman, let's have a terminology that we can all use. Otherwise, people were using transhumanism to refer to posthumanism, posthumanism to refer to a Transhuman was a, it was a mess. People could, could not even talk yes. with it outside of their own groups and that's never good. So it, it was about expanding the discussion so to bring some clarity. And I brought some ideas there about post-humanism itself, of course, but my main goal for that book was clarity. This other book now, I don't care about clarity anymore that has been done. I want about the vision. So what is the vision? And of course, it's about expansion of consciousness. And of course, is about what you are talking about and about the mind who is always anyway embodied, at least in this dimension. So we can say body, mind or whatever. So I would say, you know, going back to your first question. So what is the difference of, say, they or she? Mm-hmm. OK, so, of course, categories, languages are part of the uh, playground of specific societies, are part of the theater, it's a game that we're playing. When we are very young or we're very old, we don't remember all of this stuff. Uh, It is a part of our life, it is a game that we are playing socially, like Christina was saying, to maybe make some transition easier, maybe some laws easier or some politics easier, some economic easier, some analysis easier. So it is a game. Now, within the game, if we decide to play the game, some people don't, some people, leave society and go to live in the mountains, and that's a beautiful choice as well. But if we decide to stay within society, we need some type of game, especially we are, when we are in a global society. Because in local society, you can see maybe play different games, but you're in a global society, you probably want to at least know what is the game that is being played. Bureaucracy, laws are all part of this big game. So once we decided we're going to pa- play part of this game for some years of our life, then we need to choose our role. Now, within the role that are offered, uh, some people didn't feel that there were any character that could represent them. Mm-hmm. I feel that this is changing, at least in this game that is happening historically. We said there were many other games before, but mm-hmm. in this history that has written at least maybe in the last 1000 years, some people were completely outside of the game. They were not even invited in the game. and eh? They were completely exclusion from the game, the social game, the political game. So then the change was to include these people. I'm not about inclusion, about comprehension, because when you include something, you bring someone in something that was already there with all the issues that were already there. But that's a, another discussion. What I have decided to say, if we are deciding that we are okay to be included in this game, that we are, we could also change the whole game totally, but it's a, that's a bigger game that we need to play. But if we decide to go into this game and play the game with the society that is actually at the moment manifesting, we need to have some type of tools in order to communicate Mm -hmm. with others. Mm -hmm. So within these tools, I'm very happy to see they, because yes, it it doesn't, it's not a huge difference. It's still part of this game that I might say, let's change the whole game. I'm for that. I love that. This is the (laughs) poetic part of art of existence. That's why we're here. Yeah,
2: but aren't we we dealing with semantics? I mean, really, let me, because you could change today or he or she or whatever you, whatever pronouns or words you choose for yourself, it doesn't mean inclusion. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean, you know, sunshine and roses down the road. It's, it's really semantics and it, it's more than just
1: names. I mean, I am I not wrong? You, I've been working so hard. Like, so I started within the gender field when I was 19 and I am in my 40s. So I've been working in, in the gender field for 20 years but eventually that became the posthuman. So then it got much broader and they said the gender was not enough. But for me to see, for instance, when I go for a driving license, the ex, I was joyful, I was happy. I know that it is still a game that is not going to change too much about political uh, sexism and racism, but it was a big recognition because I felt like Wow, it, 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 it happened. I mean, 20 years in the history of humanity is nothing and it happened. And it made me joy. I know that it's a game. It's almost when you're playing some type of board game and then at the end of the game, the whole board game is done and you move on and it was just a game. But it gives you some, some joy to see that society understood the importance of shifting a little bit the game. I understand and I agree that big, big changes don't come just about including some new pronouns, but it is something. It is, an opening. It is an acceptance. It is the recognition of the work and vision and also struggle that many people have done in all these years. And it has been recognized in in beauty. I mean, it's nice that on a driving license, you can have it yet. So I would say that, of course, it is not solving the issues of discrimination that we've been seeing happening over thousands of years, but it is a gift. It is a gift for the people who started to feel really uh, not able to, uh, to uh, pronounce themselves within the categories that were offered. It's almost like, you know, I've been a vegetarian for a long time. And sometimes, you know, go to a restaurant and they have choices and the choices are uh, on the plane, chicken or meat, but that's not a choice for me because I'm vegetarian. So if you really want to give choices, you need to give choices. You cannot play the game of giving choices when you are not giving choices. Because the choice only goes for people who are actually eating meat. Mm -hmm. So I would say the same here is that, you know, it is a game of choices, but at least if we are playing the game of choices, be being a good host. Uh, Invite your people over and let them be comfortable. Don't invite me on the plane and have meat or chicken because I can eat neither of them. So, so what's they, the, so what's the next step? Okay. So you, so let's you're happy that
2: you, you, they now offer you this new, you know, option to write X for they, or whoever you want to be. So what's the next step in humanism, right? Post-humanism. Uh, or post-humanism. That's right. Post-humanism. Um, that, that starts solving, you know, the earth's problems. I, I, I,
1: I'm not sure I, I well, you know, this is probably I'm a little biased here because I'm an educator, but I see huge power in education and I see also huge power of uh, this disempowering in education and I see a lot of issues of anthropocentrism, sexism, racism in the books that are given to young minds, so I would say that for sure we need with education. About trying to addressing some of the issues that come with the stories that are given to young children—the you know, white male heroes who is killing the dragon—careful about that. You have already implanted the idea of a hero that is specifically embodied, and you are killing an animal. I mean, the dragons, you know, like uh, never exist in the way we know, but it's a mythological symbol of non-human animals. And I think that gives uh, the power of anthropocentrism. That's good. You are killing a non-human animal, and you are the hero. To me, that's horrific because we are keeping going with anthropocentric mythologies that are killing us. So I would say, again, I am an educator, but I would say that one big step would probably start with education. You know, Mm
0: -hmm. I have to go back to the primalism of humans and humanity. Uh, You know, to say that, you know, kids are born and, okay, they play this game uh, of identity. First of all, I think that humans basically are wired they need patterns and they need to understand uh, certain connections and they have to make certain connections or whatever so that they have you know an understandable operating framework in which to move in the world. okay So that's so you know what is it when you have your children you tell your children I'm your mother, I'm your father, your your people come from here uh these are these are their this is the our culture these are the rules we live by these are traditions these are yeah this is what i expect you to do and la 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 so you know there's no confusion hopefully if you do you know and, and and so and and okay so that's on the super local level that's like on the family the family is the organizing principle for the bottom line in terms of human interconnection and reproduction and all that stuff I mean, and the family is, of course, falling apart, but OK, I'm just saying. Um, and then, you know, on the pl- on the planetary level, what do we have? We have humans living in medieval conditions still. OK, we have humans who, you know, some humans who have barely seen other humans other than themselves, like in the Amazon or whatever. And then we have these, you know, these these billionaires, these other people who are, um uh, basically trying to steal all the resources and control the world we have all of this at the same time it's all going on at the same time but that fundamental organizing principle the medievalist people you know that's what they, they tell their kids their myths and their stories and here's where you're from everybody I, they seem humans seem to need those things okay or or, or at least have in the past just to be clear about wh- how they're going to move in the world.
2: Yeah. So, but, but why wouldn't it exist? Even if you change pronouns,
1: why would that not exist? Why? So, yeah, there are different uh, things here that we want to address. Okay. Uh,
0: but do you understand so, what I'm trying
1: to express? I'm trying. You know yeah. how? Yeah, I don't. I don't. I would like to say that uh, there is, of course. So, whenever you are born in a dimension, I think a young child needs. understand what's happening that I mentioned. So for instance, if I'm walking with my child on a very busy road in in Queens, in New York City, I'm going to have her hands because I don't want her or they or whatever you want to call your child to run to the street and get hit by a car. eh? Right. So you're going to explain to your child, you can run in a big park with a lot of trees because there are no cars. But if you do this here, that's going to be really dangerous. So of course, there is knowledge that you need to give to younger generations in order to survive. Yeah. that knowledge include, unfortunately, also some issues connected to specific societies. So, for instance, if you lived in a very racist society and your child is not considered white, you need to let them know at one point in some way that that may become something that they need to be aware of. This is a problem for you. Because they might get attacked because of that. So I would say that, of course, you need storytelling. And storytelling is one of the most ancient technology of cultural devices that we have as a species. You must have always going to be they've been telling stories around the fire uh, the, the the parents telling stories to the child so there are stories, stories. are
0: everything that's what exactly. tv is all about exactly exactly that's why but they
1: make then, so much money totally but then because stories are everything we need to be very 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 aware of the stories we are telling because those stories are creating the foundation of the present and of the future. The future is not down there. The future is already here in the seeds that we are planting in young people's minds or in our own minds or in, in our actions and reaction in, in our habits as a species. So I would say that yes, there are always going to be stories, but those stories don't have to be repeated uncritically. And just that because uh, I was told this then I'm going to repeat this to my child. I can filter that. And I can decide not to tell the story and tell a different story, or maybe telling the story, understanding that that's one of many perspectives out there. Like you're saying, people are living all kinds of lives. There is not only one type of life. But how is the consciousness to do that going to arrive? Mm, That's a very good question. Well, I would say that probably many of the stories that are told in TV don't help to raise that kind of consciousness. Of course not. Because most of the stories are based on violence. Now, it doesn't matter against who you are giving this violence. If it's a woman, or is a black man, or is a white man, or is a trans, or is a an name, or or is a plant, violence is violence. And I'm for- I don't want to say unfortunate, but to be very realistically at the moment, I would say eighty percent of movies and uh, are based on the uh, dynamics of violence. But so that's violence- why
0: violence. And that's something I, I would like you to address. I think, and I have fought in my mind about this for so long, but now I have come to accept, violence is a very important, I would say a primary
1: aspect of being human. Okay, then Christina, have to ask you, what do you define, what is violence for you? I think violence, or like
0: what is violence? Violence comes in physical violence. It comes in psychological violence. Anything that will make a person hurt or that will make a person crazy in the sense that they cannot, they are no longer viable or can function because they have been so assaulted by.
1: Violence, either psychological or spiritual, or or uh, physical. Okay, let's say like this then. I think that what you're talking about is maybe most, more than violence is power. People want to, to but that's have
0: power. so usually the, the the goal of violence, isn't it? To exactly. express exactly. that. Power. So
1: I would agree, and this is a, I think a lot of philosoph- philosophers would agree with you. We were talking about Nietzsche. Nietzsche would be the first one, but many others. Yeah, the power is definitely at the core of a lot of uh, existential dynamics beyond the human. eh? Now, that doesn't mean violence can be one technique to try to achieve violence, but we cannot take violence for granted. And I give you this example. For instance, when we think of war, often, I don't say everyone, but many people would say, oh, war has always been part of human history. That actually, absolutely not true. If we look at war as big groups of people actually engage in a conflict, in a type of armed conflict, and killing a substantial number of humans. This is the first example of this. They really date back to uh, late Paleolithic, early Neolithic 12,000 years ago, 13,000 years ago. Nothing like that was found, at least archeologically speaking, paleontologically speaking, before that. Of course, there were found cranes that probably been killed, but there was maybe one instance here and there. There was no cases of war what comes with, for instance, what is being called as the Iron Age uh, later on as an institution. But you have some examples that predates that back to the Neolithic, very rare, very rare cases. This is when you have the institution of, uh, of kind of pretty much private property. You have urbanization. Yes. When you are not nomadic anymore, because if I live it in a nomadic life and I have a conflict with someone, I just move and the earth is big and that's it. But once we have, we have borders. Then I have my land. I have my house and my land. I take a long time to uh, to help my crops to grow and give me food. And I don't want those foreign to come and get my food, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, or my goodies, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So the history of war is pretty new. This is something very important to remind because nowadays, if there are conflicts between two countries, the first thing, oh, is there going to be a war? How did we get to the point that we think that is natural? It is not. I'm not saying that now it's just so easy to get rid of that. But we start to shift and learn about the whole time that this was not part of the human identity, that we did not think of war as a technology, that now we think of that as a technology. This is why I think that education is, is, is key because it really allows us to understand who we are from a big macro perspective, not only from what we are told, because that history goes well with the ideas that we should embrace. I should embrace war and be patriotic and kill all these other people who want to steal my flag. That doesn't work in the big uh, elements. I know a lot of people who were veterans who did not have good experiences in war, who are strongly damaged oh. psychologically, physically, to the point of trying to kill themselves. So I would say that this idea that, you know, like the, 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 the hero who goes in war and become But a, a that's hero. what
0: I'm saying is that there's an, a, there there's, I don't, I can't even explain it. And I, I mean, I, I, it breaks my heart every day. There's a, a very violent impulse. Even now after, even now in civil society, uh, people, It's starting to permeate in civil society. People can't be can't be civil to each other, and they're, you know, it's like a a a basket of crabs crawling all all over each other, and as if that is the way to live. And and, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait
2: a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. minute. Posthumanism. I mean, maybe that's how I identify. I'm violent. Okay, I'm violent, and I want to kill people, and I want to hurt you. How come I can't be that?
1: All right. Well, uh, so that one I think goes well beyond posthumanism. Yeah, uh, I think that you're why? going... Well, because... I'm identifying
2: as, you know, a violent person. Is that, is that wrong? Why I, is, can why I guess, is that mean, wrong?
1: Yeah, I would say that goes beyond good and evil. The point is that if you want to kill everyone, in the end, you are going to kill yourself because if you kill everyone and everything, you need connection to exist. You need other people to, to talk, to help with food, to help with your housing, to help even regenerate yourself. So this idea of, of uh, I'm killing everyone, you are killing yourself because there is no way you can survive outside of relations. So you, post-humanism is very much about relationality and understanding it at the core of human survival. I, know. So I would say that, you know, if someone has this uh, strong uh, bias, I would say that no one is born with these attitudes. And there are a lot of traumas that can happen very, at very young ages mm. that maybe are not even remembered later oh, on.
0: I think, I think some people are born with the cellular memory of, you know, their violent, uh, you know, ancestors. Oh, I, I definitely so, yeah. Think that's epigenetics. That. Yeah, yeah,
1: and that's absolutely true. And that's why those people, and we are all part of those people because we are all part of a society that became at one point that embraced violence as a technique of domination. We are the one who can heal that. No one else can do that. We are the one. We I also, one. I want to address what you said though, Kel,
0: because I think that, you know, ever since, human history has well since religion came along there there seemed to have been sort of a a universal agreement among a lot of people on this planet that violence the the collective the human collective is saying you know violence is a bad thing violent you know killing you know murder is is against the universal laws the universal laws mm-hmm, you know and mm-hmm. and so, and so I, I think that's a separate issue from what we're discussing here okay okay but I, I, but I, um but it is something to think about in terms of in post humanism perhaps that paradigm will shift for some reason because there will not be this competitive you know because the value will be placed not on you know, primal competition and various things. Uh, the the evolution, the intellectual and spiritual evolution mm. of in posthumanism that we are hoping for, <laughs> so
2: <laughs> will occur. So, so, so Francesca, you said uh, a while ago you thought that these changes would come through education,
1: um, and and often yeah, it this, does. You would hope, right? That's not enough. You know, I said that that one for sure is a. Very powerful technique of evolution. Mm-hmm. And I think that already changing the way we are telling story to children is very important because, you know, to, to make a point about what you were saying about killing, it is true that I would say, probably universally, all big major philosophies and religions agree that killing is not a good thing but that usually refers from human to human a mm-hmm. lot of religions and philosophy are okay with human killing non-human animals yeah,
0: yeah. and that's right. when
1: we need to talk about speciesism and yeah. understanding that we really no no longer need that I understand it for a, probably a big chunk of time humans were hunting and we needed that some people may still need that nowadays to survive and i understand that but a lot of people don't need to kill other animals and also for instance the farm industry that's something that goes beyond killing anyone because the way you're treating someone it's so brutal that that to me is a form of killing the person that is non-human in this case, when they are still here, you don't even need to wait to kill them. You're giving them such a horrific life that you are already killing their spirits. Yeah, oh yeah.